Hey, hello. Uh, welcome to episode two of Oh Boy, the podcast presented by Man Repeller. I'm your host, Jay Bume. We made it to episode two. I'm feeling really good about that. I feel like we deserve a pat on the back. Today's guest is the writer Rebecca Harrington, who's written a novel titled Penelope, as well as I'll Have What She's Having, which is a collection of short pieces detailing her journey into the world of celebrity dieting, which includes celebrities from the past and present. She's a really great writer. Uh, I think her stuff's really funny, and I had a really great conversation with her, and I'm very excited to share it with you. So let's get into it. You just need a lot of equipment to do it. Yeah, that's so cool. You know, like I played the drums growing up, and it's like it was so much easier if you would have just played guitar because you could. You could just strum just, it. You could just take it with art. you wherever you go. Not with <laughs> drums, though. Yeah, that's true. Where did you grow up? Where did I grow up? Um, in Rhode Island. I grew up in Rhode Island. Grew up in Providence. Yeah. So like in the town. In the town. In the city. Of College in city. The city. Yeah. Right. Were your parents, uh, did they work at the school in there? Or? My dad um, was a doctor, and he was, like, affiliated with Brown, but, like, no, yeah, not really. What was it, What was your experience like growing up there? Pretty, like, fun. I mean, like, it's a fun place to grow up. Like, it's kind of small. It's kind of a city. You just sort of, like, yeah, I liked it. <laughs> <It's> good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, was there lots of stuff to do or like... Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to do. I mean, I guess. I was like, I just sort of like sat in my room and like read and I liked that. And I, it was like a pretty good place to do that because like, you know, you could like look out the window and it was like nice. Would you, I, uh, yeah. Would you say it was like an ideal place to grow up? Yeah, I would say it was a very good place to grow up if you want like a mix between city but like not like a particularly intimidating one how do you think growing up there kind of shaped who you are um I mean I think everyone there is like I would say like it's relatively friendly for a northeastern town yeah (laughs) so like I wouldn't say it's like particularly friendly but like in that sort of very limited compared to the places around compared to like Boston it's like a bastion of friendliness so (laughs) I, so I think it like taught me to be like relatively outgoing and then at the same time it's like not particularly like uh it's not that judgy of a place to grow up so people are just like you know hanging out and then you're sort of like you know if you're like really into like reading in your room you can do that and if you want to be a weirdo you yeah can if you want to be a weirdo you can be a weirdo it's just right. a space to do whatever you want yeah there's all of. different kinds of people there there's yeah, room totally. for everybody there's room for everybody exactly. yeah what kind of kid were you growing up? I mean, like I, when I was little, I had a patch on my eye um, that clipped onto my glasses. For how long? For a year and a half. Oh, okay. And yeah. Like for some reason, I like a, no, your entire childhood. No, you were the, I had like this patch Which is on my okay. Eye. No, I mean, it's fine. It would be fine, whatever. And like, so I had a patch on my eye for like, you know, a year and a half. And then like after that, it was just sort of like, I used to have a patch on my eye. And that was like a pretty, I would say that was like a relatively defining thing about me. I was quiet, like to just sort of like read by myself with this like patch on my eye. And I couldn't really read because what happens when you have a patch is that you, like it's only your bad eye that is the one that's like visible. So I like couldn't see anything. And I'd just be like trying to read in my room. Just this pirate child, just like. (laughs) 
yeah. alone, just thumbing through books. <laughs> just thumbing through books. Like, what is that, that, I what was that even like for read? Your, what was that like for your parents <laughs> to parents walk in like, and just be like, what? Oh, that's, that's, that's freaky. <laughs> that's kind of sad. I'm going to leave you be. I watched a ton of TV. Yeah. And a lot of like cooking shows, even though I don't really cook. And then once the patch was gone. Once the patch was gone, then I got really bad allergies. So. <laughs> So you're just a kid with like I constant. Just, I was just like the kids of, with sort of like low grade things that would like never make you cool, but like at the same time, like they weren't like so horrible. That was like basically what it was like. Right, because like if say you had to have a patch and you had the eye patch your entire life, that was your right. Thing. Like, like that would have like, been tough. right. You'd be tough, but like I never got to that point. It was just sort of like <laughs> just like you know, a, like an annoying level. Yeah, like a not, sort like, of surpassing like, that. exactly. Right. Kind of like a low-grade weirdness, but like nothing more. That's cool. Mm. Would you consider yourself like a popular person growing up? Were no. you more of no, 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 not a popular person? I didn't really have very good social acumen. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember like I was always like walking into people with like a huge backpack on purpose. Like, no, like I didn't even know they were there. Like it was a lot of like that. Just, just ramming into just people. I'd just be like, oh. "What? Oh, I'm sorry." Yeah. Like it was a lot. <laughs> I didn't know. Everybody would be like, what? Did you have any siblings growing up? I have two siblings. Older, yeah. younger? Both younger. I'm the oldest. Oh, so you and got to... siblings are, like, really cool. Yeah. Like, super awesome. Very, like, socially well-adjusted. Like, super good at everything. So they were like, who is this girl that is our older Like, mixed sister? up at the hospital? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> but they were really nice to me, too. Yeah. I have to say. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to set the tone, right? I, so I to set, them, they're the weirdos, the right? They're the no, weirdos. No, I, I feel like I was one of those older siblings that was more like a ghost than like a presence. <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> like they used to be, they used to sing this song being like, Becky, come out to play. Reading is not the way. And like I just didn't, I just ignored them. So yeah, I mean, they, I feel kind of feel bad for them now looking back. But I wasn't really like, um, you know, I wasn't like very... I didn't lead with any agenda. Right. I feel like they led with an agenda that made me less weird. And then, like, it was kind of, like, I felt better about that. You mentioned that a bit, that you were, you've spent a lot of time in your room reading books. Yeah. <laughs> you know, where did that come from? Yeah, I, I immediately really liked it. And then there were, like, these, like, I remember I read Dave Barry's Homes and Other Black Holes. And I was, like. How old were you? I was, like six yeah. and I was like this is the funniest thing like I've ever read like he has this chapter on spackle that is still so funny I don't even know what spackle is it was so funny I was dying yeah and, like I still die when I think about it were you just reading just like I would read it so like, much middle-aged comedians books <laughs> yeah. from the humor section yeah like six seven and I was like this is so good <laughs> like I was dying was there anything else that you remember reading around I that read time that I really liked um I, my mom read Pride and Prejudice for her book club, and okay. I read that, and I loved that. That was, like, the best thing I ever read. And, yeah, I read a lot of, like, you know, Agatha Christie. Mm-hmm. I read a lot of that. I read, like, every single Poirot book. A lot of mysteries. A lot of mysteries Yeah. that you had to solve, and they were all, like, in a mansion. <laughs> and everybody was always trying to kill for, like, the money left to them in a will. Of but course. you just didn't know who that's pretty was. much. That's secretly every, like the daughter. That's every Agatha Christie that's book, every right? Agatha, I couldn't every believe one. it. They never kill for passion. No. They only kill for money. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Would you say that there was an awkward time growing up? I mean, 
I was so awkward. I like can't even describe. It was like an awkward era, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I was always thinking that things were really going to turn around. That uh, This is like a hallmark of my personality. Like, I think I was like, I would be like, I'm going to go to the dance. And like, people are going to realize that like, things are all wrong. Like, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to go to the dance. I'm going to wear a great outfit. People are going to be like, that girl did not have a patch on her eye for one year, 0.5. But like... <laughs> They always remembered. They always remembered. Yeah. So I would say, like, my awkward errors, like, in a lot of ways, like, very theoretically had, like, a lot of, like, a lot of very exciting ups and downs that were all in my mind. Mm. Yeah. Built up a lot of stories yeah. for yourself. T- tons. A lot tons. of obstacles that you were going to overcome. Uh, that I was going to overcome. And then at the end of the night, I'd be like, wow, like, didn't, didn't work out. But six months from now... Who knows what will happen? Well, you, so you kept it positive. Yeah, That's I kept good. it positive. What else were you into growing up besides reading? Like, well, how would you spend your time? I mean, I literally, like, constantly read. And then I watched old movies all the time. And, like, my favorite old movie was this one called The Bad Seed. And it was so good. Was that, like, an old noir film? It's this film about this girl who's 11 years old and a murderer. And it's really good you should watch it who's in it it like no one famous okay. <laughs> but it's really really good i watched it with my grandfather for the first time and i was like this is the best movie ever and then i watched it like all the time over and over so again. i loved that i love this movie a letter to three wives oh, which man. was i've never ba- even heard of that oh my either. god really good like 1940s movie about these women that all get a letter that are like my your husband is leaving you for me and then they all meet up, and they don't know who the girl is that their husband all left them for. It's amazing. And then do they try and murder somebody for the inheritance? No, it's all okay. told in flashback. Okay. But it's kind of like, actually, there's a lot of inheritance talk okay. in it as well. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, you talked a little bit about Dave Barry and, like, Agatha mm-hmm. Christie. Like, were, were there other people who you would just be like, you know, these are the pe- these were my people that I was into growing up. Kinds of like, you know, either whether it be an author or yes. films. You know, who who were those people? I mean, I loved Jane Austen so much. I read everything that she ever wrote like a million times. I remember distinctly when I found her Juvenalia, like all the stuff she wrote when she was like twelve. And they I, have that? yeah, they have it. It's all collected, and it is so funny. It's even funnier than like the other books. So I would like read that and wow. die. Tried to commit it to memory, but it was very hard. So I read a lot of that. I read a lot. I watched so many old movies. I really loved like William Wyler, Billy Wilder. Um, you know, I loved. Um, I loved a lot of noir films. Did, I thought they were amazing. I, I mean, I agree with you, but yeah. I'm just curious, like, where did that come from? That's TMC, not, Turner Classic Movies. Just TMC. They were constantly on. Yeah. And, like, all those Betty uh, Davis movies where she's, like, blind. <laughs> so I would watch a lot of that. Yeah. Um, so mostly know. just, like, a lot of time spent indoors. A, a tons. I did not like going outside at all. Yeah. It's horrible out there. Inside, you got your books, you got your movies, you got all your make-believe friends. It's so fun, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, and you always had to do things outside, like play four square. And it was, like, so hard and, you know, it's like, really took a lot of energy. Were there people that you looked up to or that you wanted to emulate? Um, I mean, a lot of them were, like, fictional characters. I loved, like... 
George Eliot and like Anthony Trollope. I was obsessed with Edith Wharton. And I always wanted to be regarded kind of like a Countess Olinska figure at school, but that was Did you feel misunderstood? Very hard. <laughs> did you feel misunderstood by the people I mean, around you? Like, what, what, what were you able to talk to other kids about? I mean, that was hard. That was definitely hard. But, you know, all you have to do is, like, just, like, listen. Yeah. You don't really have to, like, talk that much. You can just, like, sort of, like, listen to things. And, like, I definitely, like, then I got really interested in, like, celebrity gossip and things like that. So that was, like, always a good way to talk to people. Like modern celebrity gossip. Like modern celebrity gossip as opposed to, like, celebrity gossip about Betty Davis being blind, which is good but, like, not as good. What was your path that you wanted to follow? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to do? Yeah. I mean, I wanted to live in New York really badly. Why? And I, why? Because it seemed very glamorous, I think. Like, mm-hmm. that was, it was, you know, because I think I had, like, a very kind of hazy concept of reality because I didn't go outside. So I was, like, very, like, <laughs> I was, like, wow, New York seems, like, amazing. Like, you know, I could get into some kind of, like, Annie Hall type situation. It's Woody Allen I really loved which you know yeah whatever I don't know <laughs> but I did <laughs> I think I think you can I think you can separate you can separate yeah. the person from the work because otherwise you can't watch or read a lot of stuff yeah like almost anything so a lot yeah. of people like you can't listen to a lot of music yeah you can't uh-huh. read a lot of books you can't, yeah really almost any book you can yeah. like the work and not like the person yeah I think that's allowed that's so, my that's how I no I I be, I agree with you too I yeah. I really do and I mean those are incredible movies are. so but yeah. like so that was your idea you were gonna you're like and I'm, incredible books he wrote incredible books too yes. yeah but um but yeah no that was my idea I was like I'm gonna move to New York it's gonna be like you know two weeks notice or something which is uh, a movie I love so much I this is, gotta be honest with you I love the movie two weeks notice oh my, my god you do my friends give me so much oh crap god. for it all it's the time incredibly amazing it's so good I can quote it backwards to, it's like my favorite film I saw in it a way. in the theater <laughs> me too oh boy <laughs> my friends always make fun of me for it too I just I love that movie. I think it's Hugh Grant so, and Sandra so Bullock are so good together. Oh, it's so good. It's really amazing. Oh, boy. And um, <laughs> oh, the, wow. <laughs> Remember when he's like, where is Staten Island? I mean, it's yeah. just so amazing. And you can, like, come here with all your ideals and, intact and, like, right. yeah, exactly. allow you to, like, win every situation. Exactly. Like, there is somehow no compromise in that movie, despite the immense compromise implied in the situation. So it's amazing. <laughs> so you wanted to move here, but... Were you, did you know what you wanted to do? Did you always know that you wanted to be a writer? I wanted to be a writer. Well, I went to journalism school here. So I wanted to be a writer, but it, not in like any particularly like directed way, I think. I am one of those people that also could have done like pretty much anything. I wasn't one of those people that was like, if I don't write, I will die. Like, I was like, or even like, if I don't make art, I'll die. Like, I was not like that. I was, could have gotten excited for, like, almost any career. So I was pretty much, like, going to just come and just be, like, excited You're about You're just going to figure thing. it out. Yeah. You know. Were you excited to leave 
Providence? Were yes. you looking to get I out and leave. like get out into the world? I wanted to leave because I was like, I, you know, I mean, it's only so much like, you know, you can just stay in one place. Or yeah. the, that was the way that I felt at the time. And where, and so you left Providence and where did you go? I went to college. Okay. And then I left college and then I immediately moved to New York. To go where to did you go to school? school? I went to Harvard. You went to Harvard. And mm-hmm. what did you do while you were there? I just, like, read some books. I mean, like, was, like, a huge nerd. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, I kind of, like, stayed in my room. I'm You're just <laughs> a lot. It's a, I'm, I'm feeling a trend here. It's a lot. I was of just, just, like, chilling in my room. And, like, yeah. it was, like, pretty fun. I got, like, <laughs> I got, like this kind of cool poster. So, like, I, there's some great bookstores. Yeah, there's, there. like, some really good bookstores. Yeah. And I, like, put the poster up on the wall. You're, and like, you're like, I was like, this Done. is fun. Ready to yeah. go. We're good. <laughs> yeah. It was like cool there. You know, there's so many like libraries and stuff and you could go and see like a rare book and that was kind of fun. And like, <laughs> just like, yeah, Hey, there's a rare just book. Just like, Hey, what's up? There's a rare book. You know, so you were there and then was there something that turned in your mind where you're like, I, I think I want to go to journalism school. What? When was that moment? I, well, so I started writing this column that was, like, really weird. It was, like, a fashion column, but everyone at Harvard was, like, horrible at, I mean, they were just, like, horrible dressers. I read so, I read your I read your goodbye article. Yeah. you're like, yeah, people are starting to dress better. <laughs> but, like, I don't even know because I didn't. And, yeah. like, I wasn't even that good at, like, wearing outfits either. Like, it was all very bizarre. So where did that come from, that I, focus on fashion? I felt like there was, like, a strange sort of like devil wears Prada-esque hypocrisy going on, which I didn't like, where everybody was like sort of like, I don't need to dress well because I'm like a serious person that like loves, you know, to like, I don't know, just like loves to like chill in a coffee shop. And like that, I was like, that is like so crazy. So then I was, then I just started like, I don't know, low grade making fun of everybody, but like in a very low grade way. And it was coming from such a terrible source. Yeah. Me, not a very good dresser. That it was like specifically like bizarre. But I mean, but nobody fun. knew because you were but in your room. But nobody knew because I was in my room. Nobody knew me. You're just so, in your ivory tower, <laughs> and just I was critiquing. Like, yeah. No, I, a lot of it was like, don't wear leggings as pants. It was really very yeah, you stick it 2004 to them. Yeah, yeah tell them what's up i was like no but you go from that to journalism school mm-hmm. you're like well i'm gonna do this because i was like you know what i'm gonna go and like maybe i'll try and like work at a magazine because mm-hmm. that'd be like so fun right so you know in like in a lot of movies people work at magazines in new york mm-hmm. so i was like that's like a good thing to do so right yeah. And that's, you know, that's the guide to living your life. Right. Like what you see in the movies <laughs> and is like, yeah. what, how it works. Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, okay, like I'll just do it or I'll just try to do it. I feel like in this podcast, I am really not driven in an odd way, but it's okay. As somebody who's, you know, I've known what I wanted to do my entire life. Like yes. It's just, you know, you hear somebody who's just like, well, I just kind of stumbled around. It's like, you know, there's a bit, I have a bit of like envy for that. Because it seems I, like, because it seems like, you know, you don't. You, insane. N- well, yeah. I tell it. No, because it, it worked out for you. You mm. know, it's working out for you. You know, you're doing, the, you know, this thing that, you know, a lot of people want to do. Yeah, and a lot, awesome. you know, you know, as somebody like when you know what you want to do and you're not doing that, you carry around the stress of that. Yeah, absolutely. And it makes for kind of like a not fun existence. Yeah. You know, like I can be having fun, but like under right. the surface, it's right. like, 
why aren't you making a movie? Right. Oh, yeah. Like, why aren't you making a movie? You know, right, right, I'm right. having, like, the greatest time, right. but that's still there. Right, so absolutely. So I, I am envious of you. I'm not, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I don't think it's but, a bad thing. Well, it, yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. It's, like, not really, actually. But, yeah, interesting. So you get to school at Columbia. Yes. You finally made it to the city. Yeah, I did. And what's what's it like? I well, it was journalism school in the middle of the recession where like newspapers, you know, everybody was like, Are newspapers gonna survive? So it's like a ton of like people being like, Talking points memo will never take the place of the New York Times. Like over and over and over again. Like we were constantly going to assemblies and that's all they would say. That's like the professors being like, the, No, we're we're good. They were like Everything's we good. are doing fine. And like also, there were like a lot of times where they'd be like, Twitter should be done in a very judicious way. You should only tweet two to three times a day and never about yourself, but about the weather and also current events. Like it was like really, really? it was like really, I mean, I think they're much better now. Like I think it's like much better now. Right. Like at the time they were just going through this like terrible crisis. So everyone was like going insane, and I don't blame them. What were you doing while you were in school? Were you just kind of were you doing anything outside of journalism school? Yeah, I had an internship at Women's Wear Daily, which I loved, mm-hmm. and um, I was like, you know, just kind of going around. I mean, they taught me like a lot of good stuff about like writing and things like that. So, do you think doing internships is something that's important, if, you know, for working in the field or doing what you want to do? I mean, like if you are a very theoretical person that lives entirely in fantasy like myself right an internship if you um are in school and you are not stakeling your livelihood upon it in any way is very fun because you just go in you act incredibly busy you're always like i've gotta go to lunch but like <laughs> like that's like kind of fun but like <laughs> you yeah. know i mean like i don't know Women's Wear Daily was a really good internship because they actually, it's a very like all hands on deck kind of thing. And like they actually gave me a ton of advice and guidance and it was really one of the best things I ever did. But was that like the first place you ever worked for? It was, like, it was the first place. I mean, like, you know, I had done a ton of like jobs, right. but I, it was like the first place I'd ever written for. Do you look back on that time fondly? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was very fun. It was the first time I had ever really, like, left my room for, like, a extended period of time. So I was very, I really liked it a lot. It gave you reason to get out. I was like, yeah, like, this is so fun out of the house. And mm-hmm. When was the first time you started writing and sharing it with people? I mean, that was, like, pretty early on because they, at school, they were like, start a journal. So I started writing in this journal, but I set my journal in the 1920s. And there was a woman, me, the journal writer, who was constantly fainting in cafes in Paris. And then like people would like find her on the ground. And like, it was an incredible journal. I just found it, but it wasn't really about my life. Right. Which is in my room, as I've told you. It's so, your yeah. Yes. So you're you're not living a life. You're it's like it's like a fantasy. Yeah, it was like a fantasy. It was like this fun thing where you're just like always like fainting on the ground. It's like really awesome, very romantic. So I, I love that. I'm sure everybody loved that too because everybody was probably taking it so seriously. Yeah. And that yeah. gets like pretty boring. No, I'm not saying you weren't <laughs> taking it seriously. No. But I mean, just being like I'm taking it, you know taking it seriously and like I'm gonna do what this person tells me to do verbatim. Yeah. Where you're like I'm gonna. I just want to do this. I'm going to do this. You know, so like, yeah. I think that's a great, I think so that's a great spirit do, to have. So I would do that. Was there a moment when you started taking it seriously? 
I mean, serious how? <laughs> well, like, you know, this is, this is what I'm going to do. Was there um, a moment where you're like, all right, I want to, I'm going to make this happen. I mean, I, I definitely wanted to like work and I wanted to work in New York and I definitely wanted to like work at, so, you know, I was constantly applying for jobs and constantly trying to like uh, get it done. I would say like my thing is that I was constantly had tons of plan B's yeah. that I loved. Like what were, all what of were some them. of your plan B's? All of my plan B's were like, I was like, I was like, you could be like a secretary, like, and like do like, you know, like I would have been bad because I'm like so disorganized, but like, you know, do something as an accountant's assistant. Like I was yeah. just very like, it was all very based on the place. So all of my plan B's were kind of like, don't worry, like you're going to figure it out. All you need to do is like make money and have a job. Would you say that you were able to approach it in kind of like a fearless way? Yes, I think so. Because I didn't, I didn't hang almost any of my ego on it. So I didn't conceptualize myself as failing because there, in my mind, there was like almost no ability to fail because moving was the success. <laughs> no, if I that get makes it. any yeah, sense. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. So I, I, was I like, like that. That's great. I was like, moving is the success. Like, I want to make money. Like, if I can do that and live in New York, that's my success. And like, I don't care how it happens. So how did you approach breaking into the world of, of paid writing, paid journalism? Um, well, I um, I got a job at the Huffington Post right after journalism school, um, which was like a really lucky break. And for like a couple of months before that, I was freelancing at a bunch of different places. I freelanced at, um, I did some party reporting, which I was absolutely horrible at. Right. But I got some of that from, uh, you know, uh, the people that I had met at journalism school. So for me, actually, journalism school was like incredibly important. I was, I would have been like very stalled. I think it would have been like impossible for me to get a job here. So like the connections I made through that was like extremely important to like making it all work. So I was like, so at first my plan was like, I'm going to freelance on the side. And I also, while I was in journalism school, um, got an agent for my novel. Oh, wow. So I. How, how did that happen? Because I met her at a party, actually. I met her at a party, and um, she was at journalism school. She was a friend of one of the people at journalism school. And we were just hanging out, and she was like, you should send me, like, a book if you're writing it. But, like, I think she just said that. Like, she didn't want me to at all. Right. She was just... We were just chilling together. She's an incredibly nice person. And so you then, her bluff. so I called her bluff and I wrote like fifty pages of a book in like a weekend. And I was like, I kind of have a book idea, and I wrote it. And then she liked it, and then uh, she agreed to represent me. So in that the couple of months that I was in New York, I in freelancing, I was trying to get the book done um, so I could uh, give it to her. It ended up taking a lot longer than that. Now that time when you were supposed to be writing the book, did you still have the same kind of attitude the same positive attitude or were there times where there would be a little bit of like self-loathing or are, I you, mean, just, are you just free oh, of that no me I have like a million I have so much self-loathing the only thing that I would say that I can do is that I'll be like well if you're a huge failure like that's completely okay because many people like I have like this like really I don't know I would some would say annoying Pollyanna-ish sort of like interior monologue that's right. very like that 
Yeah, but I wanted that book to see. I, I like, I really that like gave me a lot more purpose because I really I had a vision for it and it wasn't like exactly how it appeared in my mind. It, it wasn't coming out that way on the page. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's nothing that makes you have self-loathing more than writing a novel. Like it is so terrible. Like you realize all of the things about yourself that make you like an incredibly like morally compromised individual like constantly so I mean in terms of like I don't know philosophical self-loathing I had a ton Mm. in terms of like the actual like material success of the thing I put very little emphasis emphasis on it that's great so you're working at the Huffington Post yes and writing a book yes and where did it go from there? How, um, how I from worked there? at the Huffington Post for like uh, three years, and at writing the, just all kinds of things for them. Were you I just... was at first. I was their citizen journalism coordinator. Okay, what is that? And then mean? I, that was that was like a program where they tried to like um, get citizens to cover like different um, Got it. Uh, news events. And then I was a um, the college editor, so I did a lot of slideshows. And, um, I've clicked on many of those slideshows. I mean, they are a real art, okay? They and I came up with like some really good splashes. Okay. That was like super fun. Can like, you hit me with one of your favorites? It was, um, there was this prostitution ring at the University of New Mexico, and I found this picture that was just like fishnet stockings. And then I put above it the banality of evil. So that was like really amazing and that got through yeah that did not do well though okay did not do well I mean I was I would say that like I was not that good some people are amazing at splashes I was not that good I sold the book and I the Penelope Penelope, the novel the novel I sold the book and then I um started doing the diets for New York Magazine. Yes. Now, how did that come about? Can we talk about the origin of that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I think it's a really fascinating concept. And I love, it's it's a form, would you consider it like a form of like participant journalism, like immersion journalism? Oh, definitely. I always say it's like how to lose a guy in 10 days, except you know how in how to lose a guy in 10 days, like the first thing is like her like writing this like hard-hitting political piece about Tajikistan for Composure magazine yeah. and they're like we can't publish this and then at the end she can publish it because like she did like this incredible like try like I don't know experimental journalism I feel like I just do experimental journalism with no hope of writing anything about Tajikistan so like just like all the other stuff that comes just with like it. just like yeah all the things that she deplored I love it's really terrible. Can you talk a little bit about the genesis of that idea? Um, Do you remember how you came up with it? I, my friend and I found the sleep apnea website online that was like about like William Howard Taft having sleep apnea. It's an incredible website. It's called apneos.net if you want to look it up. It's really good. And um, it's just about famous people with sleep apnea? No, only William Howard Taft. <laughs> And they literally don't even know if he had sleep apnea. Like, the whole website is like, did William Howard Taft have sleep apnea? Hard to say. Here's the evidence. And it was just, like, evidence that he may have had it. Like, he fell asleep at the card table. Like, everybody was always mad at him. Like, sometimes the evidence was, like, really specious. He fell asleep during a typhoon. Like, all these different things. 
So, yeah, I mean, like, it was really strange. And then at the end, they're like, maybe it's sleep apnea. I don't know. So then also on this website, they they showed a diet that William Howard Taft had gone on in 1905 that was about, like, him losing a ton of weight, which he ended up doing, like, before he was, I think, Secretary of War? I'm not quite sure. Mm -hmm. For Roosevelt. And so he um, loses a ton of weight during this process. And then... Um, it, the, the whole diet was like online and it was like glutinous biscuits for breakfast and like, you know, mutton for lunch and like boiled sole, like all this kind of thing. And I was like, that is so funny. I'm going to do it. And my friend was like, okay, like fine. You were just going to do it. Did you know you were going to write no, about it? No, like, not at all. I was just fun. like, that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> so then I just like did it and I didn't know I was going to write about it. And then like. A week or so later, somebody at New York was doing a call out for like essays. And I was like, I'm going to pitch them like the William Howard Taft art. I think it's like going to be so good. Had you written for them before? No. And then they were like, no. <laughs> but then they were like, you should do it about like Elizabeth Taylor. And then like I did it about Elizabeth Taylor. And um, it was so funny. And then I published it with them. And then, uh, yeah, it just sort of took off from there. When I was reading the book, there were moments where I kind of wondered, uh, like, are you holding back here? Like, were there moments where you just wanted to scream out, like, this is bullshit. Yeah. This is so stupid. I mean, yeah, it's definitely, like, so stupid. But at, at the same time, though, you know, sometimes I feel like, uh, so much directed at women has like a sort of like disciplinary undertone. Like even diets have a right. disciplinary undertone. And that as a reader like constantly made me want to rebel. So I try in my writing to have a very even-handed tone all the time because it, it, I don't want there to be any sort of like prescriptive element to almost anything that I do. Not even like fake non-judgmental. I mean like real non-judgmental like this is what you do lol lol jokes right i mean that's one thing that i really love about your writing you know as i'm reading it i'm like is she politely trying to take this person down a notch or am i an awful person <laughs> wow like, was that is that your was that like a goal or? i think satire is an interesting thing when you i think reading a lot of it is is really interesting because like a lot of times I feel like there's a very delicate line you walk where you never want things to be too over the top, too mean, mostly because that's not actually where the cleverest humor lies. I, I, in some ways, like I, I don't even have like moral judgment on that necessarily. It's just that for me, I always felt like eh, it's the easy way out artistically. Well, it's like playing it straight. It's you're planet the, straight. You're a straight woman, you know? <laughs> right, yeah. And then every once in a while you throw in these little sentences, like, these little, little tiny little details where like if you're paying attention, yeah. <laughs> it'll make you laugh. Right. You know? Right. I love that. I Thank really love you. that. Yeah, and you're right because that's the thing. Like you could have just like, you know, been a lot more critical yes. and just that, that takes away like, totally. the, the, the fun and it's just like it just kind of like pushes people towards just like, you know, like we're we're just all about taking celebrities down. Kind well, of also, that's a kind of culture. It's so part of our culture like yeah. that to a certain extent like in some ways you make fun of like all women if you make fun of a celebrity in like a very over the top way because right. 
what are they if not a construction of femininity that we don't really know? Yeah. So, like, in or if you like are really taking it personally, then in some ways, like, you completely lose why they're even like uh, foisted on women at all. And in that way, like, I always find that kind of thing like very disorienting. You know, like for example, like I feel like Gwyneth Paltrow, people love to like take shots at her. Yeah. Thing for you know and. Uh, yeah. She's just trying to she's, she's just, she's just trying to do something. She's like, "Hey, this is the way I do it." Yeah. I'm just sharing it with people. Yeah. I think it's hard. I mean, like people are so, so exposed. Yeah. But then they're not exposed. I mean, that's like the other thing. Like even to hate Gwyneth Paltrow is to hate like some construction of Gwyneth Paltrow that like is probably like not that related to her as a person right and so like it's so I find it like very odd do you think that you have a weird relationship with food I mean I think most women have a weird relationship with most food people, I mean, and most people do yeah. in America it's very hard not to have a weird relationship with food I think I view food in a way that I view most things in the sense that like I essentially think like almost everything surrounding it is like sort of humorous but at the same time I can also be galvanized to think that changing my food intake will somehow change my life in a very non-specific way like going to the sixth grade dance and things thinking things are going to turn around it's kind of like that's how I view every diet like, even if they're, I know they're going to be horrible in the beginning, I'm like, well, finally, I've found the way, the right. way to live. Have you ever thought about, you know, anything else that you have wanted to kind of immerse yourself in? Mm. I mean, like a bunch of things. I would like, lo- I pretty much would love to do like any experiment. The problem is that ideas never come to me. If somebody told me to do an experiment, I would do it. But it's very hard for me to come up with any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> So the writer. Exactly. (laughs) It's just really tough. (laughs) There's somebody who's like, do this. I'm always like, yes, absolutely. It's always what I've wanted. What are the tough moments for you, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, when trying to make it as a writer? Oh, I mean, I just think like in terms of like, you really have to like get over a bunch of like, like for me, it was very tough to think, um, about myself as any uh, sort of authority. I think that's why I'm more attracted to humor, but even that has a sort of uh, manipulative aspect, I Mm -hmm. guess you would say. Like, I I really struggled psychologically with the idea that I that my perspective was good enough to be written down, or not even good enough, but like, I found my perspective so compromised that I had trouble thinking that um, it should even be portrayed in the written word. Mm -hmm. So uh, for me, that's like a constant struggle. That's like my big thing that I'm always dealing with. Just like how, you know, the limits of my perspective, the how hard it is to kind of like think to yourself like, okay, like, you know, your take on this is like, I don't know, fine or whatever. <laughs> well, what inspires you to keep going, to keep moving forward? Um, you know, I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know. I think like I do find these things kind of like interesting problems that you have to think yourself out of. And so that to me is a lot of uh, the attraction of all of it. 
Like, how do you write, like, something that is constantly skirting the line between, like, you know, uh, being, uh, like, talking about nutrition, which is in some ways, like, even though I am making fun of it, can be, like, a touchy thing and is, you know, uh, and th some of these celebrity constructions, which have been, like, you know, very limiting and horrible, and then at the same time also not come to, down too hard on it because, um, you know, so because you never want to be judgmental of people that really take it to heart so at the same time like you're constantly skirting the line to me that's an interesting like intellectual problem mm -hmm. to figure out mm -hmm. and that's the thing that kind of like keeps me very interested in a lot of the ideas well that makes sense yeah that's a really great way of looking at it i like that what are your hopes for you know where you want to end up you know what do you want to do what do i want to do, do? You know, like before you're done here yeah it, like on the earth on the earth <laughs> No, but I mean, you know, like, you know, I do you have like, you know, you know, I would love to do this, this and this or, you, you know, like, have you ever thought of you ever oh, think about those kinds of things? Yeah, I mean, I would love to write an epistolatory novel about dinosaur hunters in the 19th century. <laughs> That's like a big thing that I would want to do. Um, and I'd love to. Are you talking specifically about Cope and Marsh? Um, yes. Yeah. I right, have something to talk about when we're done recording this. Yes. Okay. So, like, I really, um, wow, that's amazing. I, I, you have to I'm tell gonna, me I've all that you know. I've got to tell you some crazy things okay. after we're done amazing. recording Amazing. So, yeah. So, that I really want to do. I would love to, like, I would love to write a novel called Alfred's Afflictions about a man who inherits a nursing home and has to live there even though he's 25 years old. I would and love take, and run it and, and run it yeah. and he's he has he's really like kind of a martyr about it. But and, and then um yeah, so I'd love to do that. I'd love to do like you know, I'd love to write like a bunch more things. I basically would like love to write more things if people would want to read them. Right. So that's pretty much what I would love to do. I don't really um, you know, don't have m big macro goals but you know i'd like to travel <laughs> travel from the comfort of your I'd own like home to travel outside <laughs> what's next for you um what's next for me um well i'm finishing up a book uh, that's sort of a satire of like uh this online online uh website about and a girl who's in this relationship with this guy who's fiction, like, fiction? yeah, fiction, fiction. What kind of website is it? Like it's a, just it, no, it's like a website called journalism.ly. Okay, and it's just like about <laughs> it's just like about that. <laughs> That's awesome. How far are you? It's done, but oh. it's you know I'm really rewriting it because it's hard. It's hard. I mean, I think that's a. That's a very interesting world that a lot has changed in it. I find I find writing about the internet really hard because yeah. it changes so much. You write about something where you're kind of trying to make fun of something in 2013. Nothing like 2015. No, so it's so all. hard. Right. So maybe just like hold on to it. Just and like then hold on to it. When when it becomes a thing that people like look back on and remember right. that time, then, then the time like, will be right. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> um I think that's it. All right, cool. Thank you so much. Oh my God, thank you so much.